So Rose knew. Rose knew, and I. Rose knew, and I didn't know. Uh, I had two friends show up yesterday afternoon at five o'clock. Uh, two friends from college. I was at Christian College where we attended. And uh, so uh, Russ and Francie came in yesterday. Uh, they drove in from Bella Vista, Arkansas and Mexico, Missouri to uh, surprise me. So uh, anyway, you can say hi to them uh, after church is over. Or you can ignore them, it doesn't matter, it's either way. <laughs> Supposedly these are uh, true questions that have happened in a court of law. Do you recall the time that you examined the body? The autopsy started around 8.30. And Mr. Johnson was dead at the time? No, he was sitting on the table wondering how, why I was doing an autopsy. What was the first thing your husband said to you when he woke that morning? He said, where am I, Kathy? And why did that upset you? Because my name is Susan. <laughs> you get that joke, Aaron? Because <laughs> I heard you chuckling. <laughs> Number three. Doctor, before you performed the autopsy, did you check for a pulse? No. Did you check for blood pressure? No. Did you check for breathing? No. So then it is possible that the patient was alive when you began the autopsy? No. How can you be so sure, doctor? Because his brain was sitting in a jar on my desk. <laughs> but could the patient still have been alive nevertheless? It is possible he could have been alive and practicing law somewhere. <laughs> That's a much different response than the first hour. <laughs> I'm here to tell you. <laughs> okay, we're gonna be looking at some uh, other questions this morning and uh, I hope the questions challenge you and encourage you and motivate you to change where, not I, but to change where God wants you to change. So if you would bow your head for a moment, and I'm gonna mention a two sentence prayer, and you can recite this to God in those words or your own words, whichever you would like but the prayer is this. God, would you please speak to me this morning? And may I truly hear the questions you have for me. And Father, we all pray this through the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. I'm going to hop in a
time machine and go back almost 2,000 years. And we were going to find ourselves on the Monday before Jesus is crucified on the Friday. It is the time of the Jewish Passover festival, and people were coming from all over the country. And when they get into Jerusalem, which is where the temple is, they will be offering sacrifices to God. Now, they did not bring those animals with them, but what the priests have done in Jerusalem is that they are making for the people a very good service, all animals that are available, good animals that are available for sacrificing. Now, if you read Matthew and Mark, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those two guys in the New Testament, we find that Matthew and Mark record why there was a problem with this service that the priests were offering. The service itself was good, but the priests were way overcharging for these animals, and it really angered Jesus. And so this happens. We are in Luke chapter 19, beginning at verse 45. When Jesus entered the temple courts, he began to drive out those who were selling. It is written, he said to them, my house will be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. The house of God, God's temple was set up to be a place of worship. What was happening there was certainly not a place of worship. Now, the temple was situated in an area called the Temple Mount. On the east side of Jerusalem, the Temple Mount was a roughly rectangular flat area, and the temple itself sat basically in the middle. All of GCC's property, the building, the parking lot, and the grass, it's around six acres. So six times this is the area of the Temple Mount. The house of God, God's temple was there. Not worship happening when the robbing was going on. Where is the house of God today? Where is God's temple today? First Corinthians, Chapter 6. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. You see, in Old Testament times, God had a temple for his people. Beginning in New Testament times, God has a people as his temple. Therefore, if you are a Christian, you are God's temple. 
our holy God, because he resided in the temple in Jerusalem, he was the one who made that building holy. His presence there made that temple holy. In the same fashion, God who resides in we believers in the form of his Holy Spirit, God himself makes us holy. And these bodies are God's temples. Some questions. If Jesus was upset with the Jewish religious leaders for how they treated God's temple, how does God feel today about how you treat his temple, your body? Do you treat his temple with respect? Do you care for his temple as he would want you to do? Do you do things to your temple that would dishonor God's spirit that is living inside you? Do you consistently praise God in and with your temple? Do you occasionally force God's spirit living inside to go to places, to participate in activities, to make God's spirit listen to and be in you where there are things that would repulse him? According to your answers on those questions, are you willing to say, Jesus, just as you cleaned up your temple in Jerusalem, would you please clean up my temple? Renovation. The following takes place on Tuesday, Luke chapter 20. One day as Jesus was teaching the people in the temple courts and proclaiming the good news, the chief priests and the teachers of the law together with the elders came up to him. And they were a rather fancy looking group of individuals dressed in their garb that made them stand out and look special. And so they said to Jesus, tell us by what authority you're doing these things and who gave you that authority? Jesus replied, I will also ask you a question. You tell me. John's baptism, the one that John the Baptist did, was it from heaven or was it from human origin? And so they kind of pull back to themselves and they huddle and they're talking things over. They discussed it among themselves and said, if we say from heaven, he will ask, why didn't you believe him? But if we say that John's baptism was of human origin, all the people will stone us because they are persuaded that John was a prophet. We don't know where it was from. Jesus said, 
Neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. The religious leaders question Jesus' authority. Perhaps you've seen a press conference or a political debate or maybe a reporter or someone come up to someone and ask them a question. Under the guise of soliciting information, what they really want to do is put the person on the spot and embarrass them and make them say goofy things that make them look bad. These religious leaders really didn't give a rip about the authority that Jesus had. They wanted to make him look bad and embarrass him and in front of all the people. So they knew exactly that Jesus was... Well, Jesus would answer sincere and legitimate questions. For example, someone asked him in Matthew chapter 22, beginning at verse 36. The person said, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So here is a sincere and legitimate question for you. Is your ultimate authority yourself or is God your ultimate authority? How do you determine who is your ultimate authority? Not everyone today believes that the Bible is the ultimate authority, so how do you determine what is truth and what is not truth? For me, what the Bible says is truth. With all the evidence that backs up the Bible as being true, it takes more faith to believe the Bible is not true than it takes faith to believe the Bible is true. Let me say it again. With all the evidence there is available that shows that the Bible is true, it takes more faith to believe the Bible is not true than it takes faith to believe the Bible is true. So if you're in here or you're watching online, then one could surmise that we're thinking the Bible is true. Practically speaking, in your life, do you have the Bible as your standard of daily living? Standard of daily living. According to Bible standards, do you love others as you should? Not somebody else's, not our cultures. According to the Bible standard, are you sexually pure? According to the Bible standard, are you free from gossip and speaking badly about someone else? According to the Bible standard, do you handle money as God wants you to? 
According to the Bible standard, do you invest your time in the things that God would want you to invest your time in? Is your ultimate authority, authority yourself or is God your ultimate authority? It's one or the other. There ain't no middle ground. If you wrestle with whether or not the Bible is true, if you will get in touch with me with the email address you see on the screen, I will email you this week evidence about the Bible being true. And then if you want to talk, then we can talk later on, all right? 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. Where can you find someone truly wise, truly educated, truly intelligent in this day and age? Hasn't God exposed it all as pretentious nonsense? Since the world and all its fancy wisdom never had a clue when it came to knowing God, God and his wisdom took delight in using what the world considered dumb, preaching of all things, to bring those who trust him into the way of salvation. Speaking of authority, who do you respect more, yourself or God? Back to Luke. Luke chapter 20, beginning in verse 20. Keeping a close watch on Jesus, the religious leaders sent spies who pretended to be sincere. They hoped to catch Jesus in something he said so that they might hand him over to the power and authority of the governor. So the spies questioned him. Teacher, we know that you speak and teach what is right, and that you do not show partiality, but teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. Is it right for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Jesus saw through their duplicity and said to them, show me a denarius, whose image and inscription are on that coin. Caesar's, they said. He said to them, then give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. They were unable to trap him in what he had said there in public and astonished by his answer, they became silent. The religious leaders question Jesus' accountability. I listened to a radio talk show and the host was talking about a poll that had been taken recently. And one woman called in speaking about the poll. And she said that she and her husband had both received the poll, but she had noticed that the way the questions were worded were pushing her as she answered to agree with what this person 
who made the poll said it was a political poll. So the questions were pushing the people's response in the direction of the poll giver. That's called a push poll, where when you take the poll, you are pushed to give an answer the way that the poll giver wants you to give. The religious leaders were having a push-pull question with Jesus. They knew they had him. If he says that you don't pay taxes to Caesar, the Roman government's going to get down on him. If you do pay taxes to Caesar, all the people are going to be torqued off because they don't care for the Romans and they don't like the taxes. But did Jesus answer their question the way they just knew he was going to? On the Roman coin, we have the image of Caesar. And with his image there, Jesus, as we read, said the coin belongs to Caesar. Give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Let's look in the first book in the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. Genesis 1, 27. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So what might this verse tell us about what we owe God. We owe God what his image is stamped on. We belong to him. What is God's desire for us? That we would be conformed to the image of his son. It's not so much needed nowadays with digital photography, but there are companies who will take old photographs and turn them into nice-looking photos or reproductions of them. They restore the image found in the photo to what it originally looked like. Have you messed up? the image of God in your life. Would you like his image restored in you? You can have that image restored this morning. Years ago, and this was years ago, a young boy carved a boat, boat for himself. Painted the boat, fixed it up. He was immensely proud of his creation. And there was a stream that ran behind his house and from time to time, often, he would go back and place the boat in the stream and retrieve it from the stream. He did that hour after hour. One day, the current took the boat away. 
The water was too deep. There was too much underbrush on the side. He could not catch up as the boat sailed away. That day he looked. The next day, the next day, the next day, he looked all downstream. He could not find his boat. Later that summer, as he was walking down the main street of his town, he noticed in a window what looked to be his boat. And as he got closer and pressed his face against the window, he saw that it was his boat. So he went in the store and told the owner of the store his story about the boat, how he'd made it, how it sailed away, how he'd lost it. Could he have his boat back? And the owner said, I appreciate what this is and your craft and what you've done, but what I'll do for you is this. Someone found this boat and I bought it from them. But I'll put the boat out of the window and back in the store and you can work and earn money, and when you have enough money, you can come and buy the boat. So he did that. He worked for weeks, doing errands, doing yard work, helping family, friends, neighbors. He did everything he could to make money to buy his boat back. And when he had the necessary amount of money, he went to the store, he gave the guy the money, and he took the boat, clutched it to his chest, and he walked outside of the, the store. And if you had been able to be close enough to the boy, you could have heard him say, little boat, you are my boat. You are twice mine. I made you, and then I bought you back. Little boat, you are twice mine. And God can say the same thing for you because he created you and he created me. And because of the work that Jesus did, he bought us back. And he says to us, I made you and I bought you back. You are twice mine. Would you bow your head, please? I'm going to ask three areas of questions. And the questions are closely related. Concerning renovation. Does God believe that you need to renovate your temple? Do you ever take the Holy Spirit in you to places he would not want to go? Do you ever make the Holy Spirit to be with you in activities that he absolutely detests? Is your temple holy or might your temple need some renovation if your temple needs some renovation will you give Jesus permission to do the work take a moment or two and give Jesus permission to do the necessary renovations
concerning authority and respecting God. Do you respect God enough to allow the Bible to be your authority in your daily life? If there are places where you struggle to live by Bible standards, now is the time to tell God about them and to ask Him to help you to genuinely live by His standards. Be specific. Take a moment or two and talk with God. Concerning accountability, do you acknowledge that God made you and that you belong to Him? So like a photograph that needs restoration, do you give God permission to restore His image in you, to make you like the image of his son. If you want Jesus' image restored in you, take a moment or two and talk with God. Father, May each of us in this room and those watching online may we allow you to change us as you want to change us. I give you my permission to do so. May none of us leave where we are in this room or listening online without giving you what you want us to give you. Have your way every moment of every day with us and in us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In just a moment, we're going to sing a song. And if you have not become a Christian and you want to do that today or you want to talk about it, I invite you to the front. If you want to have a conversation about renovation or respecting or having God's image restored, if you want to talk about that, when we sing, I invite you to the front. Someone will be here to meet with you and to talk with you.
if you want prayer about what we've talked about or about anything different. When we sing, I invite you to the front. Scary, I know. I, I'm inviting you anyway. And if you're watching online and you want to get in touch, then if you'll contact me through the phone number or the email, then I will get in touch with you tomorrow. May you and I do today what our Heavenly Father wants us to do.